Serve City Church, what's up? Is there a church in the house? Is the church alive in Toronto, Canada? I'm in the right place, right? Man, you guys don't understand how much I love your pastors. How much I love Pastor Andrew and Pastor Chantal. They are my heart. Man, this is this is awesome to be here in Service City. I told the group on Thursday night that uh, that you guys don't know me, but I know you guys because I stalk your church. And I've seen many of your faces. And when I started seeing people as I came in today and on Thursday, I was like, oh, I know her. Oh, I recognize her. That's the girl that be, you know. <laughs> and so, sorry, you, you, you got some fans in the USA. Amen? But, man, I tell you, I'm happy to be in Canada. I love, absolutely love coming to Canada. You know why I love coming to Canada? It's not the health care. Don't get me wrong. But I absolutely, I absolutely love coming to Canada because uh, four years ago was the first time I ever came to Canada. Four years ago was the first time we ever came to Toronto. And we were getting ready to come to Toronto. And um, we, me and my wife got married in 2007. And we went to Mexico for our honeymoon, right? And we used our passports. We never opened those passports again from 2007 until 2014 when we came to Toronto. And we're packing. We're getting ready to go to Toronto. And my wife, I was like, babe, you got the passport? She's like, yeah, I got the passports. And so we're looking. We're checking. We're making sure everything is up to date and it's not expired, right? And so my wife opens the passport, and $150 falls out of the passport. $150 that was probably given to us on our wedding night Seven years ago at that time, right, $150 falls out the passport on my way to Canada. So number one, I love coming to Canada because I married the right one, right? Money's just falling out of passports means that I married the right one, right? Anybody, anybody testify that you married the right one? Because I'm telling you, there's some people out there that married the wrong one. And so first and foremost, I married the right one. Second of all, I love coming to Canada because now I got expectation. Right? So every time I'm coming, I'm looking for something that may just fall into my lap. I'm looking for something that was hidden that may be uncovered. Amen? The Bible talks about Matthew 13, 44, about a guy who, who, who found a relationship with God. And he said the relationship with God, he called it the kingdom of heaven. The relationship of God was so amazing that it was like a treasure hidden in a field. And he says in his joy, in his excitement about this relationship, that he went and, 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 and sold everything that he had and bought the field. He said that the kingdom of God is so amazing that it's like hidden treasure. A relationship with God. God in my life is so amazing that it's like a hidden treasure. That it's worth trading everything that I have to have this treasure. It's, it's worth exchanging everything in my life to have this treasure. I asked you today, Serve City. Have you found that treasure? What in your life is worth trading everything that you have? We're going to be reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, where Paul opens up dealing with treasure, dealing with a hidden treasure, an expectation. And he's opened up and he's struggling in this letter to the church at Coloss. And he's struggling into this letter because there has been a new teaching, a new doctrine, a new idea, a new thought that has been sweeping the, the region. And this thought was called Gnosticism. Anybody ever heard of Gnosticism? 
Gnosticism was this idea, was this thought that, that gnosis, which means knowledge, that knowledge is the savior of man. That knowledge or the universe was the creative power behind everything. And knowledge is only held by a few. That, that it was exclusive and that the only way that man could, could be saved, the only way that man could find purpose, the only way that man could excel is to get this superior knowledge passed down to them. And Paul is irate because essentially Gnosticism is offering man salvation without an incarnation. It's offering men salvation without a suffering. It's offering men salvation through knowledge instead of through faith, through re repentance, through relationship. So Paul opens up this letter struggling, upset. And he says in verse 6, he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. And then he says in verse 8, I love this verse 8, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive. No one holds you prisoner by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, somebody say in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And so he opens up this this letter struggling with this, this idea where they thought that the hidden treasure of life was found in a hashtag. It was found in a Facebook quote. It was found on a t-shirt. It was found in a life mantra. And so he's upset and he's writing to the churches of that region, the church of Colossus and the church of Laodicea. And he's upset and he said, I'm struggling with this. And he says in verse 2, because God's mystery, the meaning of life is Christ. He says, he says that all of wisdom and all assurance and all knowledge are found in a person. It's found in Christ Jesus, the Lord. It's not, it's not found in the universe. It's not found in, in, in some cosmology. It's not found in some astrology. It's found in a person. He says, he says therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord. That is the hidden mystery of life. The word that he used re there, received, means to be joined to someone. It is the same received that I had 11 years ago when my father-in-law walked my wife down to the aisle and gave her to me. It is that same word that he uses, received, to be joined to someone like in a marriage. And so he begins this saying, you received, when you heard the message of the gospel and you mixed that with your faith, what you received was a relationship. Oftentimes when people post a quote or you read something from a self-help book, you're getting an idea, you're getting a concept, you're getting a thought that somebody's having. He says, no, when you heard the message of the gospel, you didn't get a thought, you didn't get an idea, you got a relationship, you got a person. See, when my father-in-law gave my wife to me, I didn't get the idea of marriage. I didn't get a wedding. I got a person. Now, many people want the idea of marriage, and they want the idea of the wedding, but they don't want the person that comes with the marriage. But Jesus said, through Paul, he says, you received Christ. 
And a lot of us are, are struggling through life, and we're even asking questions like, is God real? Is God really real? What is this thing called life about? What is the meaning of life? I'm failing. I'm struggling. And the reason why you're failing and struggling is because you have this idea of Christianity, but you haven't received the Christ of Christianity. Point number one is that my walk with Jesus has to be personal if it's going to be real. If you want to have a real, full life that God has promised here, if you want to really take advantage of of the life here on earth, if you want to know relationship and you want to know community and you want to know fullness and you want to know fellowship, if you want to wake up every day, right, excited and finding the joy of every day, if you want to take life by, by, by the horns and live the life that God promised you, you must first start with a personal relationship. You cannot be a bystander of faith. You have received a person, which means... An idea, a concept, a thought can't talk to me. See, Jesus offers the ability to conversate with you. Where you can talk to him and he can talk to you. Jesus offers the, 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 the possibility of connection. Where you can be attached to him and he can be attached to you. Where you can have connection. See, one of the four noble truths of the Buddha was the origin of suffering was attachment. And in order to find the way of peace, you must detach yourself from desire, from the material, but also detach yourself from relationships. And guess what? I actually agree with that. That the origin of suffering is attachment. And when I look at my story and I realize how busted I am and how broken I am and how mistake-ridden I am and all of my flaws and all of my mess-ups, I realize that I couldn't have been a Buddhist because he would have never attached himself to me because because I am the way of suffering because my flaws and my insecurities and my doubts and my mess-ups and my mistakes leave me vulnerable and anybody who attaches themselves to me may, may get hurt. But the reason why I can stand here and be a Christian and reason why I can know that God is real because Jesus didn't run from my suffering. Jesus didn't run because I'm broken. Jesus didn't run because I'm messed up. Jesus didn't run because I'm an abandoned house. Jesus, as a matter of fact, let me live in you and let me be with you that I want to attach myself to you. I want to connect with you. I want to pursue you. I want to be in relationship with you. I am not going to detach from you to find peace because I am peace. See, see, the reason why you're struggling in relationship and understanding if, if, if life is real or what life is about is because, because relationship with Christ has to be personal. That you have to set aside time to spend getting to know the Christ that you are married to. Have you dated the Christ that you are married to? Right? Because Christ gave himself for you. Knowledge didn't enter into the human story. Compassion did. And although all knowledge and wisdom and power are in Christ, it was his compassion and his mercy that said, I must come down and see about the ailing people. It was his compassion that stepped into the human story to save man because we were sinking in sin. It was his compassion that stepped into time, not knowledge. It was the heart of God after his people. 
Amen? Paul says that as, as you've received this person, now walk in the person that you have received. So, so me and my wife, after we, got, we had the wedding, then we had the marriage. And us having kids and us sharing our dreams and goals and us having pillow talk and, 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 us, and, us, and us building a life together is called our walk. That's what our walk is called. And so me walking in her or me walking with her is us moving in the same direction. It's us sharing life goals. It's us being vulnerable. It's us, it's us lifting each other up. It's us giving and it's us taking. Not always in equal proportions, but that's called our walk. And so me walking in her or me walking with her is me walking in a way that reflects that I'm married. Paul says, walk in a way that reflects your relationship with Christ. Walk in him. Walk in a way that reflects that you are married to Christ. Which means what? It means that if I'm walking with Christ, I got to walk away from some stuff. It means if I'm walking with Christ, I have to walk away or turn my back on some things that used to have me. So in order for me to walk with my wife in marriage, I had to walk away from singleness. I had to walk away from broken relationships. I had to walk away from living my life for me and living and starting to live our life, my life for we. I had to walk away from some stuff. And when I realized that when I begin to walk with my life, my wife, that she actually brings out the best in me. See, when I'm walking with my boys, I'm a little bit tough. I'm a little bit insecure. I'm a little bit insensitive. I'm a little bit cynical. It's not really the best me because I'm putting on a front trying to impress. But when I walk in my wife, then then the reality is I kind of cry at romantic comedies. I listen to some pop music. I enjoy karaoke, right? I'm a little bit sensitive. I'm a little bit emotional, right? But that's the best me. That's the best me. That's the person she brings out of me, right? You know you guys have that, 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 that friend or that spouse or that relationship where they just bring out the best in you, that, that you're your best self when you're around that person. That, that is what Paul is telling you, is that you're your best self when you're with Christ. You're your best self. He, he validates who you are. He doesn't tell you who you aren't. He gave himself for you. He loves you. He's put his spirit inside of you. He calls you blessed. He calls you wonderful. He calls you beautiful. He knows everything about you and still loves you unconditionally. You're your best when you're with Christ. Point number two, walking in, in the Christ you is the best version of you. So take steps to make that happen. Start walking in the best you, which is the Christ you. Start walking in the person that bring, walking with the person that brings out the best in you, not the worst in you. Which means, you know what? I might have to walk away from some stuff. That's what repentance is. It is walking away from ignorance. It's walking away from things that bring out the worst in you. It's walking away from things that cause you to rebel in your relationship with God. It's walking away from things that bring you down. It's walking away from things, right, that cause you to sin, to miss the mark, to make mistakes. That's repentance. And in order to walk with Christ, that means I have to turn my back on some things. What is your relationship with Jesus cost you? What has following him cost you? What have you turned your back on in order to put this relationship as a priority in your life? My walk's got to be personal. My walk has to be the best version of me, which means I got to take steps. Me taking steps means me putting in some effort to make the relationship work. 
practical tip. Take out your phone. Go to your calendar, right? Ten minutes before your alarm is set to wake up, set another alarm that says time with God. Schedule your time with God. That is a practical step that you can take to ensure that you're praying, right? You're spending time with God as the beginning of your day. Put an alarm there. Put it on the calendar every day. Schedule that time. You may miss a couple days. You may sleep through your alarm, but you have it scheduled as a priority to know that, you know what? My relationship with God is important. That's me taking steps. That's me taking steps. If I'm, if I'm taking steps, if I'm putting an effort, right, walk in a way that your steps leave footprints. In order for me to leave footprints, I literally have to put enough pressure on the ground that the dirt sinks. Which means a footprint is only formed by impact. Walk in a way that makes an impact. Pastor Benny and his father are walking in a way that makes an impact. Pastor Andrew and Chantal is walking in a way that makes an impact. Serve City Church, walk in a way that makes an impact in your community and globally. Walk in a way that makes an impact. That means I've got to be serious about the walk. I've got to be intentional about the walk. I've got to be committed to the walk. And I've got to walk hard. People got to know that we're coming. People got to know that in Toronto that we are about serving our city. People got to know in Toronto we are about loving people with the gospel. People got to know in Toronto we're about sowing seeds of grace that there's no judgy pants. There might be skinny jeans, but there's no judgy pants in this place. Walk in a way that leaves a footprint. Because if you do, If you walk in a way that leaves a footprint, eventually your footprints will add up and that'll be a trail for others to follow. That people will begin to see your impact, Serve City Church, in this community. And if people are seeing your impact in this community, then people are going to come on board. That people are going to follow. That the world and Toronto will be changed by your impact. The nations are represented here. The tribes and tongues are represented here. Make an impact. Take the steps that's necessary to walk in your relationship with Christ personally, tribally, and globally. Amen? Then he goes on and says in verse 7, he says, he says, walk in him. He says, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. He says, walk. He says, walk in him. Walking him so much, walking him for so long that it begins to produce roots, that you're rooted in him. Do you know what the root of a plant is? It's the part of the plant that's below the surface that receives nutrients and water and minerals and vitamins to give the plant strength and stability. It anchors the plant, right? The roots, they anchor the plant. You ever went to chop down a a tree, but it grew back because it had roots. He says, walk in a way that you're rooted. Walk in a way that you are rooted. See, the cool thing about the roots is, is that, is that number one, the roots grow below the surface, which means you don't always get to see your growth. The other thing about having roots, walking him, creating roots, is that the roots grow in dirt. They grow beneath the surface and they grow in dirt. They grow in dirt because in the dirt, that's where the nutrients are. 
In the dirt, that's where the nourishment is. In the dirt, there's where the vitamins are. Somebody better see where I'm going. In the dirt, that's where the minerals are. In the dirt, that's where the water is. How you look at your dirt determines how you grow. How you see your dirt, how you see the mess that you're in, the situations that are, you're up against, the mountains that you face, how you see your dirt determines how you grow. Point number three, sometimes walking through dirt is the only way you can grow. And we keep running from dirt. We want to be clean Christians. We want to be clean people. We don't want to go through things. But in this life, you shall have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. If you're walking with the one who has overcome the world, then you can be of good cheer when you're in the dirt because the dirt is meant to grow you. The dirt is meant to give you stability. The dirt is meant to support you. The dirt is meant to strengthen you. The the dirt is meant to anchor you. Do I have anybody who's in dirt? dirt there's strength in the dirt there's nourishment in the dirt there's power in the dirt psalms 1 1 uh psalms 1 1 verses 1 through 3 talks about the rooted christian he said he said the rooted christian is this he says the rooted christian is the one whose whose delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted By streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. He says, he says, he says the the rooted Christian is blessed. He's not in the way of sinners. He's not seating with scoffers. Right. He says, he says, this guy delights in the law of the Lord day and night. He is like a tree planted. Who who receives the streams of water and yields his fruit in his season. The rooted Christian is the one that grows. He is the one that when he is in dirt, that his delight is in the word of God. Practical step number two, take out your phone, put on your eye calendar at nine o'clock p.m. Time to study the word. That every day you're delighting in the word of God. That's how you grow in dirt. That you have to get nourishment. And the word of God is your food. The word of God is, is, is your source of strength. The word of God is your sword. And so if you're going through things, but there is no word in you, then you're going to be uprooted. See, the rooted Christian, the one who's, 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 uh, 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 who's yielding his fruit in his season, right? Think about it like this. If I'm rooted... And, and I'm bringing out my fruit in its season. That means I'm ripe. Ripe fruit that you eat f- is fruit that will sum- support your immune system, your body's defenses. It will support your stability. It will support your brain health, right, your intellectual capacity. And it will support your growth. The rooted Christian, the one who is receiving nourishment, the plant that's receiving nourishment, has good defenses, has a good immune system, is growing It's sound in their mind. It's the unrooted Christian who lacks power. The unrooted Christian is the one who's immature, who's who's producing fruit when it's unripe, right? So they're immature. They're unanchored. They're the one that don't do organized religion. You know that one? The the, the ones that that never want to serve or ever want to help anybody. It's the unripe Christian, right? 
those people, if you ever eat unripe fruit, you expose yourself to hallucinations, to bodily ailments, and to toxins. The unrooted Christian, the Christian that's immature, that's not yielding its fruit in its proper season, is toxic to the body. It's hallucinating in the things that they're speaking about. Right? So, so Paul said, be a rooted Christian. Because in your, in, in, in your roots, you're anchored. Delighting in the law of the Lord is how you grow. And it often happens in your dirt. So have a perspective on your dirt that God is nourishing, through those, nourishing you through those seasons of time. Amen? Amen. Then he continues on in, in verse number 8. And he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Now he's really dealing with these Gnostics. And according to human tradition, somebody say religion. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And so in verse 8, he says, no one takes you captive. No one enslaves you. Did you guys know that ideas can enslave people? That hashtags can have you bound? That diets and fads can put you in prison? He says, don't let no one take you captive by philosophy. I don't know what you guys call philosophy here in Canada, but in the States we call philosophy being woke. Don't let the woke people get you. You guys ever heard that word, people being woke? That just means that, 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 that they've got enough philosophy to be dangerous. They've got enough ideas about how they think things are supposed to go in life to be really, really dangerous to people. So these are the woke people. And I've got, I got a little, little thing that I like to say about the woke people, right? He says, don't let the woke people get you. Um, um, when, I'm, when I'm working and during the week, I usually wake up via alarm. Anybody use an alarm to wake up? And so when I wake up with my alarm, it's this loud, blaring noise, right? And it just goes off. And usually when I wake up, I'm like disoriented. I'm stumbling around. I'm tripping over things. I'm following because that alarm goes off suddenly, and it's very loud, right? And it wakes me up, and I'm usually like, you know what I mean? I'm waking up my wife. It's just, it's just me during the week, you know what I mean, waking up in the morning. That's, that's how it is, right? Because that's how my alarm goes off. But on the weekends, right? Young people, cover your ears. On the weekends... The way I wake up is very different than how I wake up on the weekdays. Because on the weekends, sometimes I wake up to a little rub on my cheek. There's a little foot that rubs my leg sometimes. Or even better, kind of, even better, I wake up to the smell of bacon or some cooking. There's an aroma that wakes me up, and I just kind of smile and just a little, a little shimmy that goes off. And, 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 and I wake up, and I wake up in a whole different mood. My mind is clear. I'm smiling. I got joy. I'm like, man, somebody cooking. You know, or somebody cooking or something about to be cooking. Either way, I wake up differently, right? Paul is saying that, that how you wake up and what you wake up to is more important than being woke. That there is a doctrine out there that they were spreading throughout the church that people were waking up to, but it was really putting them in slavery. It was really captivating them, right? So, so, so you, you do realize that when a mother, when a mother is in prison, and she gives birth to a baby, the baby's in prison too, even though the baby didn't do anything. So the mindset that's not transformed is transferred. The mindset, right, right, the mindset that is in bondage that gives and deposits in somebody else deposits slavery. And what he's saying is let no one take you captive by those mindsets. Don't let anybody hold you in jail or limit you or put you in captivity by the way that they think because you have been taught in Christ. That's why it's important to be rooted. That's why it's important to develop a personal relationship with Christ. That's, that's why it's important to know that he is real for yourself, to walk with him. That's why it's under, important to understand your dirt 
and the things that you're going to, that you are not seduced and drawn away because you're in a tough season, that you are not, you're not led astray because you're in a tough season, that you're not deluded or delusional or hallucinating. You are anchored even in your dirt. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody captivate you by human tradition or empty deceit, he says, by religion, by putting rules on you and putting laws on you. They don't have any power to transform. He says, be captivated by Christ, not by, not by ceremonies, not by traditions, not by days, not, not, not by fads, not by diets, not what I can't do or what I can do. Be captivated by the one who stepped into human history to give his life for you. Point number four, this is my last point. Walk out of every tradition and every religion that places limits on, on who God called you to be. God has given you your identity, but you must walk with him to find it. God is, God is here declaring in a still small voice who you are. Then when you come up against mountains, when you come up against trials, when you come up against things on your job and they say she can't do it, when you come up against, when you come up against uh, 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 situations in your life when your money is low and your bills are due and they say, you know what? She just blows money anyway. Or when you start thinking about the things your, your parents used to call you or your friends who bullied you called you and they come up with all those names like, like you're not good enough, like, like, like you're too fat, you're too slow, you're too short, you're too black, you're too white, whatever it is. Jesus is whispering over you. Jesus is speaking to you. Jesus is still saying, no, I love you. Jesus is still saying, you're my child, that I have given you my spirit, that you may call Abba, Father. That Jesus is still speaking love to you, that I die for you, that you are worth, you are worth the nails in my hands and the nails in my feet. You are worth my blood. The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 9, it says that in him dwells all the fullness of God bodily. And it says in verse 10 that you have been filled with him. So when life tells you, when life tells you you're not good enough and you're not adequate, when life tells you that you can't do it, when life tells you that you're not smart enough or you're not fast enough or you're not skilled enough, right? Walk out of those limitations and walk into the arms of the one who died for you. Walk into the arms of the one who says, I love you. Walk into the one who says, my arms are open. My arms were stretched for you. Walk into the one who says, I'm willing to step into the human story because I've heard your cry. That I'm willing to put on flesh. John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know what that means? The word, that's what they were talking about. The Gnostics were talking about knowledge, the word. The word of the cosmos, the knowledge, the intelligence, the intelligence of the cosmos. Jesus is that intelligence. But he says, you know what? Intelligence ain't going to save nobody. Come on. Compassion will. Intelligence ain't going to die for nobody. Head knowledge ain't going to die for nobody. Heart knowledge will. So Jesus says, I hear their cry. And I see their suffering. And I'm going to become flesh. I'm going to put on skin and bones. And I'm going to come down into humanity. And I'm going to walk among them. See, when the word became flesh, that means the word could be betrayed. When the word became flesh, that means the word could be lied to. You know all the things you go through. 
When the word became flesh, that means the word could be homeless. The word could be abandoned. The word could be lied to. The word could be manipulated. The word could be hit. The word could be beaten. When the word became flesh, that means the word had emotions. The word could cry. When the word became flesh, all the things that you go through, the word could go through. Because it became fleshy. It became like us. And when it became like us, that means just like you and I, the word could become killable. The God of the universe put himself in a vulnerable position to be killed. Just like you or I. See, the word put on clothes that he could be killed, that you could live. Colossians 2 verse, thir- ter- Colossians 2 verse 13 says that you and I were dead in our trespasses. Which means you missed the mark so bad. I missed the mark so bad that we were dead. I was in so much rebellion. I was such a stranger and an enemy to God. Out there living my life. Addicted to lust, addicted to lying, addicted to manipulation, addicted to success, addicted to achievement. Didn't matter who I stepped on to get there. He says, you were dead in those trespasses, but you have been made alive by the forgiveness of sins. You see, when, I'm, when I go outside and I stick my hands in the mud, my flesh gets dirty. My hands get dirty. But we've got a remedy for that. And, and that's called soap and water. That, that when my hands get dirty, I can wash my hands and get them clean. When my clothes get dirty, I can put them in the washing machine. And I can wash my clothes to clean them. There's a dirt that comes from shame and guilt and embarrassment. And it's a dirt of my soul. When I make a mistake or when someone makes a mistake against me, when I abuse someone or they've abused me, there's a sin that happens in my soul, in my mind, that I can't put soap and water on. Do you know the only thing that can wash away the dirt of the soul? The only thing that can wash your mistakes away is forgiveness. And when God died on that cross, what he offered you and what he offers me is forgiveness. A cleansing of the soul. A washing away of the stains that life has put upon you deep. And he says, if you believe, if you accept you trust that sacrifice then he promises you promises you eternal life with every head bowed and every eye closed today we pray maybe you maybe you know Jesus maybe you've trusted Jesus but maybe you need to walk in him more if you feel like that you need to strengthen your personal relationship with God I just ask that you put your hands up you feel like I just, you know what, my, my walk with God could be stronger, my walk with God could be better. Put your hands up, put them up high, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you feel like, I don't know this Jesus and I want to know this Jesus, 
put those hands up. Take that hand and put it over your heart as we pray. Lord, you see those hands and you see those hearts that desire to know you and to walk in you more. Today, I I pray, Lord God, that the relationship that they have with you or that they're seeking to have with you is real. That God, that you would open up their heart that they could receive forgiveness. That the dirt and the stains of their souls, of their mistakes can be swept away and surrounded by your unconditional love and grace. I thank you for an opportunity to join together in worship and praise of who you are. And I pray that grace grips us today so much that we walk away from the things that we used to do and we start walking in life made new with you. Send your anointing upon this place and change hearts and lives for the sake of the gospel, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.